Welcome to a single serving podcast. I'm your host, Shaney Silver, and I want to change the narrative around being single because so far it's had pretty bad PR. What if we stopped seeing single life as wrong and stopped trying so hard to fix it by finding partnership at any cost? Relationships are amazing and we deserve to have them. We just don't deserve to be miserable in the meantime. If you're ready to stop hating single life and to recognize that loving single life doesn't mean you'll be single forever, keep listening. This podcast publishes new episodes every Monday. You can find one episode per month on all your favorite free access platforms. All other weekly episodes are accessible by becoming a patron of this podcast on Patreon. You'll find the link in the show notes for this episode. By becoming a patron, you'll also get access to the Facebook group for this podcast, a supportive community space for celebrating single life, not just for dealing with it. There's so much joy, freedom, and potential in being single. My fear is that if we only ever see our singlehood as something that's wrong with us, something that has to be fixed as soon as possible by finding a partner, we'll miss out on a really important time in our lives, and we might even settle for less than what we really want. If you're sick of the shame of being single and sick of feeling helpless and unable to feel better, this is your podcast, and I'm so glad you're here. Oh my God, you guys. Hi. Hi. How are you? I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm recording a podcast at my actual desk in my actual house where all of my belongings are unpacked and put away and life looks something like home again. It feels like a miracle. For those of you who have been following along on my Instagram, the move from hell is finally over. Um, I made it and it's, I don't, I, I can't speak. I don't have the words. I don't have the words. They won't form in my mouth for what I just lived through over the last month and a half. Thank you so much to all of you for all of your sweet words of encouragement and support and camaraderie. They helped more than you know. Um, but the move is over and I'm talking to you from my actual desk where I will be recording the podcast from now on. It feels like an absolute miracle. Um, and thank you to all of the patrons who have been listening to the podcast over the last month. I was recording it in just the funniest, weirdest, makeshift ways imaginable. But there were some really great episodes that happened anyway. Of If you are not a patron, over the last month during my move, there were some awesome episodes. There was, um, well, one episode was just me doing a solo episode mid-move in a state of utter delirium, if you have any interest in hearing that. There was also an incredible episode with Michelle High. I've had several requests um, for a discussion of polyamory and non-monogamous relationships. And Michelle, who you might know better on Instagram as polyamorous while Asian, joined me on the podcast and we had a great chat. And that's waiting for you over on Patreon. Also, Femi Olafioye Omogbeni came back to the podcast one year after her first appearance. Um, as promised, we did a follow-up episode. It's nearly two hours long. I cried my eyeliner off laughing. She has become a friend and I'm so happy that she joined me back on the podcast. We'll have to do this once a year because it was just so much fun. Anyway, those are waiting for you over on Patreon. They've published over the course of the last month. If you are not yet a Patreon patron, this podcast publishes every week and it's over on Patreon waiting for you at the $5 a month tier. If you are already a patron, thank you so much. You are the reason this podcast exists and I am so grateful for your support. It means that I get to continue doing something that I love. It means that I get to continue hopefully helping the single community and uh, I don't take that lightly. It's incredible. Thank you so much for supporting the content that you consume and the content that you hopefully love. Um, right? You love it? It's awesome? Great. Okay. So my guest today is Lane Moore. 
Lane is probably one of the most requested guests I have ever had, uh, right up there with Brene Brown and Tracy Ellis Ross. And she's currently on tour with her show Tinder Live that you might be familiar with. So I'm very grateful to Lane for taking time out of her very busy tour schedule to, to chat with us. We had an incredible conversation and I cannot wait to share it with you. Uh, but before I do that, a couple things I wanted to discuss. One of the things that I have always wanted to do as a podcast host is have a P.O. box. I love correspondence. I love snail mail. They are some of my most favorite things in the world, but um, I've known that I was going to move for a long time. So it was hard to give you guys a PO box address when my you know, living situation was kind of temporary. However, I am now permanently in New Orleans and I have a PO box. I'm going to give you the address now. If you're on a walk and you don't have a pen, don't worry. It's linked below in the show notes. And it's also linked on my website, shanysilver.com. So that address is 3436 Magazine Street, number 8110, New Orleans, Louisiana, 70115. I can't wait to hear from you. I love snail mail. Nothing makes me happier. I send it to my friends all the time. They don't write back. I don't care. Absolutely love correspondence. I get it from my grandmother. She instilled that in me from a very young age and I'm very grateful for it. Um, I would love to read letters out on the podcast. If that's something that you're into, um, maybe make a note in your snail mail if it's okay, if I read it on the podcast. So, you know, I'm not like invading anyone's privacy by telling the world what you sent me in the mail. I don't know. I can keep your names anonymous. You, you tell me how you would like me to, um, treat your snail mail. And I'm happy to keep it private and just for me because, um, I'm super selfish and I don't mind hoarding my mail. So that's that something else I wanted to get into in, um, Oh, that's a, that's a loud vehicle outside. Can you hear that? New sounds guys. There's going to be new sounds. I'm in a new space. There are new street sounds, nothing like what we were dealing with before. No more recycling being taken out on air. I promise. Um, but, uh, yeah, there are new sounds and we get to get used to them together. So something I wanted to talk about before I get into the interview today I have seen in the podcast's Facebook group, but also in other places. I've seen it on Instagram. I've seen it in other groups that I'm a part of. Um, and I know that I've talked about it before, but things that are important to remember as you're reframing singlehood for yourself is that repetition is okay. Um, taking time to um, let new ideas and new thoughts and new feelings sink in is okay. So what I want to talk about is comparison. I know we've gotten into comparison before, but I need to address it again now because I'm seeing a lot of it lately and um, I don't like it. <laughs> I just don't like it. Um, essentially, it's that feeling where you feel bad about being single because you're in a room full of couples or everyone you know is in a couple or something like that. Um, I've been doing this work for many years now. And one of the things that has become so clear to me is that the opinions of other people can really impact our own thoughts and feelings around singlehood. My concern there is when we focus so much on what other people think, that's where our attention goes and we're missing what's already ours, what's already good. We're just kind of ignoring it because we're so consumed by what we don't have in comparison to what other people do. It's really hard to see how free and how full of joy and ease single life can be when all we're doing is looking around and thinking that absolutely everyone we know is partnered or we're at a party and everybody is there with somebody. Um, and we're choosing, and I chose the word choosing very specifically, we're choosing to let that mean that there's something wrong with us. There is nothing wrong with us and there is nothing right with them. 
there is no actual quality to finding a relationship that makes you any better than any other person on earth. Honestly, most people on earth partner eventually if they want to, they're really not that special, but we have specialed couples so much that we in turn unspecial single people. Just simply being in a couple doesn't crown you. It's really not that special. We've chosen to lift it up to the highest heights. We chose that in our society. And we have seen that choice being made throughout our lives. So it's not shocking to me that it's hard to get rid of it, to shed it, to change our thoughts around it. It's not surprising to me that that's hard to do. That's why I'm talking about comparison again. It's because this shit is hard. Shedding the perceived specialness of couples has the added benefit of helping you also shed the perceived wrongness of being single. Accepting that being in a relationship somehow means you're better than someone else. That's not how I want to live when I'm a partnered person. I never want to live that way. So that's how I keep my perspective where it is while I'm single. No one in a relationship is any better than me. And I'm not going to be better than anyone else once I am in a partnership. Our lives are allowed to be customized to us. We don't have to do what everyone else does on everyone else's timeline. We are allowed to have our own. I'm really grateful that I have my own. Bespoke is always better. Customized to you is always better. And I don't think that we ever give ourselves the chance to acknowledge that because we've specialed couples so much. We think that being in a couple is so good and so prized that in turn, we just, we've degraded the value of singlehood down to nothing. And I hate that. That's why this podcast exists. Cause that's bullshit. Cause being single is amazing. And being in a couple is amazing. And being single sucks sometimes. And being in a couple sucks sometimes. Do you see how they're even? Do you see how they're both completely even ways of being alive? I would never ever want to enter into a relationship just so that I didn't have to be single anymore. Because that's about making my life about what other people think. Just so I can feel like complete or finished or done or valid. There is nothing about partnership that indicates success. And there is nothing about singlehood that indicates failure. Both are completely even and valid ways of existing. One is not better than the other. Comparing yourself to other people, it's a choice. I'm saying it. It is a choice. You don't have to compare yourself to other people. It might take practice to stop doing it because of course we've been fed the specialness of couples our entire lives. Um, but we don't have to allow someone else's partnered status to automatically tell us something negative about ourselves because their partnered status has nothing to do with us at all, unless we choose to compare ourselves to them. So much of this work is about shedding the attachment to what other people think. And one of the ways I remind myself to shed that attachment is that other people are not living my life. They literally have no dog in my fight. My life does not impact them. So why would I allow their opinions to impact the way I think and feel? Another aspect to holding the opinions of others so high that it impacts the way we feel is accepting people's two cents about our singlehood and our approaches to dating. Unless you're specifically asking for dating advice, you should know that you don't have to accept it from anyone. 
what other people think about your single status, your approach to dating, relationships, etc. Their opinions don't have to have any place in your life unless you want them and appreciate them. If you aren't specifically asking someone, how do I find someone? And by the way, they don't know. Um, you don't have to listen to them when they impose their thoughts on singlehood upon you. Because unwanted dating advice, that comes from a place of assuming that your singlehood is a problem. What if it's not? What if you are reframing singlehood for yourself and you've come to see it as something good and valuable? The unwanted dating advice from whoever it comes from, it's assuming singlehood is negative. It's coming from a place of assuming lack and assuming negativity. It leaves no room for positivity. It leaves no room for value in singlehood. I happen to find a lot of value in my singlehood and thank goodness for it because for me to give it up, that relationship will have to be worthy. It will have to be just as good as a single life that I love or better. If you don't want to be dating, if you don't want to be actively pursuing a relationship, you don't have to be, by the way, and you're still allowed to meet someone. Um, So if you're not actively dating, but someone else thinks that you should be because they assume your singlehood is a negative and they assume you should be doing something about it, like it's a fucking chore, that says more about their flawed and outdated opinions of singlehood than it can ever say about the fact that you're single. People are not allowed to impose their flaw and failure messaging upon you. Dating advice is such bullshit. It it presumes both that you're doing something wrong because you're single and it assumes that their advice is right. I cannot stand dating advice. It's the most convenient advice any asshole can ever give because if they're right, and I put right in air quotes, and you meet someone by taking their advice they're a hero. If they're wrong and you followed their dating advice and you didn't meet someone, they get to say that you just weren't following their advice the right way, which I find really fucking convenient and really annoying. And it just perpetuates this cycle of assuming that singlehood is a wrong state of living, but it is not. It is a completely whole and valid way to live. If I sound like I'm repeating myself, there's a reason I want the messages to sink in. I want the realization to come to as many people as possible that being single is not a bad thing. Because it's a challenge to what we've been raised with. It's a challenge to what we assume. Being single, being good, that's a new thing. And it doesn't mean that you're choosing singlehood forever. It just means you're choosing to be happy right now. They're new ideas, so I'm going to repeat them because I want them to sink in. Also, I don't know if you're a brand new podcast listener or if you've been listening for two years, two and a half years now. Wow, isn't that insane? Um, I I don't know when you've found my work, but I hope when you find it, one of the first things you hear is that being single isn't bad. Being single isn't wrong. Being single does not imply that you are flawed, that you are doing something wrong, and that you need some random asshole's advice about how to find somebody when they don't know, unless they are full psychic, they don't know when, where, and how you're going to meet your partner. 
I personally find a lot of delight in not knowing when, where, or how I'm going to meet my partner. I choose to let life delight me in that way. I choose to see that as a positive. I choose to see that as something to look forward to rather than fearing the future and just assuming that it's never going to happen. Anyway, when someone gives you dating advice that you did not ask for or that you, you know, that has invaded your life or your day in some way, you don't have to take it. You're allowed to say, I didn't ask for your advice, or I'm not taking dating advice right now, or why are you giving me dating advice? <laughs> like you don't have to take it. You never just have to be nice and accept unwanted advice when the unwanted advice itself is not nice. Remember that it's implying that your singlehood is wrong and bad. So why do you have to be nice and nod and smile and take somebody's random piece of advice that has genuinely no bearing on your life? No one can tell you when, where, and how to meet your partner. No one can do that. And that's okay. No one has to. There doesn't have to be a golden solution for your singlehood because your singlehood isn't wrong or bad. That was a big breath that I just took. (laughs) Oh, podcasting's fun. Dating advice that comes to you from anyone. I don't care who it is, friends, family, people you work with, anyone. It's coming from a place that assumes your single status is a negative. It assumes that it's a bad thing and it assumes that you are unfinished. We aren't required to make that assumption. I don't care what they assume. You are not required to make that assumption too. You are not an unfinished, incomplete human being without a partner. You are whole, valid, and worthy exactly as you are right now. A relationship does not complete anything. It begins something completely new, hopefully between two people who want a relationship, not two people who need a relationship to feel like a real adult. Comparison is a tough one. It's definitely a tough one. Um, If you need more support around these topics, around reframing singlehood, about comparing yourself to people in couples, there's a lot more. I do a lot more of this. You can go to my Medium account, which is linked in the show notes below. I write about this stuff all the time. You can also join the Patreon for this podcast. I publish one new episode every Monday morning. And um, I also, the Patreon membership that is $5 a month comes with access to this podcast Facebook group, which is a really positive, supportive community. I know a lot of Facebook groups can really go off the rails and just become puddles of negativity, but I don't allow that. I don't allow this group to become that. This is a supportive, welcoming, awesome space that I'm really proud of. And I'm so grateful to all the patrons who are in there. It's it's a delightful community, one that I'm very, very privileged to be a part of. It's a wonderful group of people. I hope you'll join us. A link to join the Patreon for this podcast is below. Also, when you join the Patreon, you are supporting content that you love so that more of it can be made. And since I have become a Patreon creator, I have also become a patron of many of the creators that I follow, that I consume their content and love it because it's important. It's important to support the content that you love, to pay for the content that you love. And I hope that what I'm doing is helping single people feel good. If I do nothing else, if I can help single people feel good, that 
that's a job well done to me. So thank you so much to the patrons who are supporting this work. I appreciate you so much. And, um, I hope that you, I hope that you like the podcast. Um, all right. I'm going to play the interview with Lane Moore now. Uh, it was such a treat to talk to her. Um, a huge thank you to Lane. Also, she is on tour right now and there is a link to her tour in the show notes below. See if she's coming to a city near you. Um, she's coming to new Orleans and I'm so excited about that. So check all of her tour dates, go see tender live. Um, there's also a link to her book, how to be alone in the show notes below. Check that out as well. So, um, yeah, I'm going to play the episode now. I'm so happy I'm home. I'm so happy I'm at my desk and I'm making this podcast for you from my desk. This is, this is a joy. I'm very happy. I'm smiling very big. You can't see it. Just trust that it's there. Love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Lane Moore, welcome to a single serving podcast. Um, how are you? I am. I hate that question. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's so loaded, isn't it? It's ridiculous. It's so loaded because <laughs> it's really just like, how vulnerable do you feel like you can be in this yeah. moment? How much do you feel like you can say? Uh, at, you know, oh gosh, yeah. Just I, so I have so many feelings about that question, but I will do the socially acceptable thing, which is good. <laughs> how are you? Um, I put a down comforter into a duvet cover this morning, so nobody can tell me shit. I'm doing okay. great. It's wow. Yeah. And it, and it didn't get crumply and weird. No, nothing wow. at all. Nothing at all. I have a great trick. It's been, it's been doing me right for years now. And, um, I feel accomplished. I feel accomplished. Oh my God. What's the trick having three other people to hold the other sides? <laughs> if only I, um, I flip the duvet cover inside out. I tie the comforter to all four corners. Yes. Roll it up, yes. flip it inside out and shake it like a Polaroid picture. And yes. it will just unfurl and be completely covered and, and beautiful. I just needed to do something nice for myself today. So that's what happened. Yes, that'll work. <laughs> um, please introduce yourself to this audience, many of whom already know you because they have asked me many a time to talk to you. But please um, let a community of single people know what you would want them to know about you before we chat. Yeah. Um, I love hearing that so much. Um, I have been called the patron saint of single people. So that's probably, I hear that a lot in my comments. Um, uh, so several things. Um, I created a comedy show called Tinder live where we are all going on my Tinder on a big screen and I am swiping live in real time. The audience chooses whether I swipe right or left. And then I interact with them. Um, it is super kind. It is also, um, you know, really this like beautiful thing that is, is taking something that is so isolating and often, uh, you know, uh, violent, uh, really upsetting, uh, which is, which is online dating and turning it into comedy and coming from the place of, you know, um, uh, put, putting myself and women in a, in a position of power, uh, which is really incredible. Um, and really, you know, and, and yes, you know, it's, it's a show that will have you laughing every single second. And I hear that from everyone who comes, who's like, I just laughed for like an hour and a half straight and I did not stop. And I'm like, good, that's what I want. But I also love hearing, uh, from women, especially that are like, this show makes me feel so much less alone because like, yeah, you're making jokes, but I also see that like, you're seeing the same weird, creepy guys I'm seeing. You're seeing the same trash profiles I'm seeing, except on my show, I see that and I'm like, great, let's have fun with that. Whereas, you know, when you're looking at it personally, you're just like, guess I'll just die. Um, also, I am the author of the best-selling book, How to Be Alone If You Want To and Even If You Don't, which um, 
explores so much about the messages um, that we are all given, uh, but women particularly about how we need to have someone and we better be chosen by a man. And uh, one of the biggest things the book also does is talks about how big of a factor um, your childhood plays in everything. If you were assigned at random, it's worth noting a totally incredible family, you will have an easier time dating. You just will. And, and it's, it's very, you know, I'm sure there are exceptions, but you know, uh, psychologically, um, by and large, it, it just plays such a big role. And I just think that's so important to talk about um, because we don't talk about it. And the book heavily talks about that and my own experiences with that. Um, and I'm also in a band, It Was Romance, uh, which talks, you know, uh, so many of my lyrics are about um, being a hopeless romantic who's very frustrated and, um, you know, wanting to believe in love in a world that is increasingly not necessarily built for that. So, yes, yeah, so much of the work that I do um, is really uh, for everyone who's listening. So it's very exciting to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It is my absolute pleasure to have you. I owe you a huge thank you because I am personally very vocally anti-dating app um, in this community mm. and any other. I think they all need to be burned to the ground and I would like <laughs> to dance upon their ash. But the fact that you are, I mean, I love that what you're doing is is centered around comedy and it's a beautiful thing. And I love, I love laughter as medicine, but what I yeah, really yeah. love that you're doing is you are shining light on a very hidden place. And yes. it's so important, obviously, as catharsis for the single people, particularly single women that are in your audience, but also anyone they brought. Oh, my God. My mover's calling. Hold on. Hold on. It's happening. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Did you get it? Are they doing it? Okay. Um, okay. So if you're listening and you have been following my moving saga, um, my movers are a month late and they just called to let me know that they will be here in the next few hours. Uh, still debatable whether or not the truck is actually going to fit down my street. So we ain't out of the woods yet, but that is the most productive conversation I have had with my moving company in a month. Um, my dog is angry for you. My dog is angry on your behalf. She's like, this will not stand. This will not stand. <laughs> Oh, it's never dull. Um, what I was saying is I like the, that what you're doing is you're illuminating something for single people who are experiencing it. This is not news to them, but anyone they bring to your shows, anyone they share your shows or your content with, it's spreading a message that there is shit happening in the dark and it's not good or right. And so I appreciate that you are able to let people know what the fuck's going on, but also make it funny and make us have a space to maybe heal a bit. Um, I hate that yeah. it needs to exist, but I'm very, very grateful to you for, for creating that space. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. I, uh, I have, hold on. I have thoughts on that. Let me stop my dog from barking at the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. um, she's like very protective, which is like adorable, but also not, I don't, I hate barking. Um, <laughs> I'm like, ah, you're stressing me out. Thank oh you. So, um, I so appreciate you saying that because, you know, it's interesting. I've been doing the show for years now and, you know, every time someone in the press, like it's been profiled in the New York Times and all these like incredible places and they'll always talk about how kind it is. But every now and again, um, I will have someone 
who, you know, hasn't seen the show and they'll be like, oh my gosh, doesn't that sound, doesn't that, and this is just who I imagine this, this person is, is who would say something like this. I don't know, wouldn't that be a little mean? And I'm like, okay, first of all, I've been doing the show for years, it is literally touted for being something that is so funny while actively steering away from being needlessly mean because that's such a part of who I am. So you really think it'd be going on this long if it was just me being like, ew, ew, like, no, it's, it's smarter than that, it's funnier than that, it wouldn't have, you know... But also beyond that, I'm like, can we not step back? Clearly, whoever like is thinking that way has never used a dating app, has never seen these profiles because I'm like, of all the people to think to protect, you're the crappy men on dating apps. Like, cause I don't go after, like if, if literally on Tinder Live when we're doing it, if a guy seems great, I throw him back into the ocean. I'm like, oh, he seems nice. Have a great day. If we're only go, we're only talking about, I'm not even gonna say going after cause it's not what happens. We're only talking to and, and making jokes about the most ridiculous profiles, you know? And sometimes they're not even heinous. Sometimes it's just like a man who legitimately is like, I am a vampire. Like- sure. So it's just so strange to me, you know, I guess my point is I really, I, I hear that from women so often and it just really means a lot to me because I know that A, I'm doing something that is deeply kind and funny, but B, I am shining a light on something that like the violence, the, the, the just unbelievable harassment that I and so many other women have seen on dating apps if the worst thing that is happening to somebody is they're posting a really terrifying profile and I'm making two jokes about it and moving on, I think they're going to be okay. Like, yeah, I think they can take it. I think they can take it. And you know, something, if it's, if it's that horrific, you know, if you are offended by what you see on Tinder, write to the dating apps and say, listen, be better, be better for us, do a better job so that we're not encountering things that we want to make fun of and rip to shreds. Maybe that would be better. Well, you know, I think that that's, you know, I started Tinder Live so many years ago. And um, since I started Tinder Live, I have seen a slew of things pop up that are, you know, women posting horrible dating app profiles and things like this. So um, really, it's like, there's just this kind of, and again, it's very rare because I feel like 99% of people get what I'm doing, love it, are so into it. It's just people who don't fully understand it. Um, But that 1% that just thinks that it's like, you're taking like wonderful men and like trying to eviscerate them. And it's like, no, like, do you understand that so many of these apps and the culture of these apps is specifically to like harass and belittle women? I mean, you know, I, I don't know how they were intended. I really don't, but I know how they're being used because I have seen it in my work over the years. I've seen it in my personal life. I've seen it in my friend's personal life. So, you know, we, we know what's happening out there. So it makes sense to me why, you know, shows like Tinder Live exist. You have all these Instagram accounts where, you know, people send me to the Tinder Live account, uh, account like, please post this ridiculous profile. It is the only agency that we have within this system. Because when I get a horrible message from someone who's like joking about killing me, which I've actually had, um, there's nothing. There's nothing. You can report it. I, it goes nowhere. I don't think, I think that person still stays on the app, you know? So it's like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I have a comedy show about that. Hell yeah. I have a comedy show that seeks to make us feel better and in control and be able to find some sort of catharsis. Like that absolutely should exist. 
Sing it. Sing it. You and I are two <laughs> different like, ends of the agency spectrum because you chose <laughs> to create something beautiful and I chose to delete them all from my life. <laughs> two different approaches. Two different I don't approaches. really use them personally anymore. I I I think I've seen too much. It's yeah. it's it's a challenge for me. And I also I'm somebody who's so deeply romantic and I want so much. And I just you know, you go on there. I, I always joke at the, at the beginning of, of every Tinder live show. I'm like, you know, you go on these dating apps with like just so much hope and the apps are like, nope. Like you just, you know, you go on there and you're just like, what if, because maybe, and I, and I do have some friends who've met people there, but it can just be so, it can just be so, I, I just, I hear from women and, and all genders, all the time who were just like, I'm exhausted. I'm like, you're not alone. I, I just, and I will say, you know, the people I know who've like had really great luck on them. A lot of times it's like the luck happens real fast. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, it's like, Oh, they were the third person I swiped on. And it's like, well, good for you. Like, that's great. But you know, that's not, that's not the average experience, you know? Well, you use the operative word. It's luck. It's right. luck. The dating apps are not doing anything fucking novel. If you took a million people and put them at a music festival together, some of them would fall in love just by happenstance. The same Precisely. thing is happening on dating apps. Your friends that meet people, in my opinion, they are algorithmic accidents. They don't want to hear it because, oh no, I'm special. My relationship is so special. No, it's an <laughs> algorithmic accident. A dating app is never incentivized to actually work because the longer you're single, the more money it makes. The more money it makes. I mean, like, of course, like we know this and it's like, you know, anybody can say something differently, but like, we know that's the case. We know it. And so, um, you know, and, and that's something that like I am extremely big on is is and you know I talk so much on on social media about and in how to be alone about which is that like love is luck and timing that's it. it has nothing to do with deservability we attach all this deservability um, to it and we it's really not that and I, I've personally had to unlearn. Uh, so much internalized misogyny that I had around dating. There's so much internalized misogyny and so much misogyny in general around dating. And, you know, I, I just, there's so much around it. And, and I think that that has been a really rich pool for me artistically um, in all sorts of different mediums, because, you know, I, I, I grew up this hopeless romantic who thought that things were going to be easy and great. And, you know, I just, the more I started analyzing, uh, our, our culture and attachment styles and dating apps and just all of these different things, I was like, Oh, Oh, this is, this is a lot. And, and, you know, I'm, I really love finding all these different avenues to, to, to talk about them with people and to explore this because we all feel like we're alone in this and we're not, I, I've, I see it all the time. We're not. Yeah. Um, to take it back just a little bit, what yeah. is your, like, what are your overall feelings about being single itself? And has this always been your mindset or has it evolved over time? Oh, it's been, it's different than it, than it was. I mean, feelings about me being single or being single and people being single. Either one, either one. Because <laughs> um, you know, it's always a little bit. It's always a little bit different. I find it's like you can have like a thesis about other people, and then you might feel very differently about about yourself and what it means to you. Um, 
it goes back and forth. You know, I, I, I have, I, I think so many of us do where it's like, it changes based on like who disappointed me, how long ago, uh, how recently I've been, you know, looking or not looking. I mean, I go back and forth. I think my baseline is I have always been just the biggest romantic and wanted all of the things, you know, I was always obsessed with um, how people met and their love stories. And, you know, I love a romantic plot line. There's a whole chapter of my book, devoted to Jim Halpert and like movie love and TV love. I, uh, I love it. My favorite number is two. I, I, I don't like Valentine's day, but aesthetically I love it. I love a heart. I love glitter. I just so much about love and relationships and partnership. I am so here for, I think that we have just gotten a lot of us have gotten very lost. And I, I just don't know that I think things have just shifted in a really weird way that has, I don't know if it's harder than it's ever been, or if we're just acknowledging more things and it's always been not great. And I think that might be the case. Um, I guess that's my, I guess that's my answer is, is I, I'm a frustrated, I'm a frustrated romantic. And, and, you know, I think that one of the things that I have, I have done and I'm glad I've been able to do is like, with Tinder Live, with the book, with the band, with all these different things, to be able to explore how all these different things make me feel being a, a very romantic person um, in a world that makes it very difficult to be to be a romantic person who who wants genuine partnership and is like has done you know work on themselves and is really ready for something deep and meaningful and extraordinary also. I think you and I have that in common. We are both romantics in a world that kind of punishes that trait. Um, but honestly, I think I think you and and everybody in the single space we come by our frustrations very honestly, very honestly. And that's what people who are not single and who maybe haven't been single in the modern world um, can't see and can't understand. Is that it's not about oh what's wrong with you? No, it's about what's wrong with so many things that are not us. Yes. Because you can, I mean, you can do growth work and and inner child healing and anything you want to do, anything you want to do. And one of your best friends who does none of that shit can meet her partner on the bus. So I don't, I don't really buy any sort of formula to, to finding partnership. And I, I don't like the frustrations that have been so folded into the dating experience and accepted. We have a terrible habit of accepting the way things are now. And I refuse to. No, I refuse to. No, it's because, because what, what is that? Like, oh, they're only serving poisoned gruel today. <laughs> well, I guess I'm not going to eat then. Like, it's just so bizarre to be like, oh, this is all that they have. And I'm like, I no, I don't think I'm going to, I literally know that's poisoned. I won't be eating that, but that's the only food. That's not even food. What are you talking about? So no, I will not, I will not accept that. God, I love it when a podcast episode names itself poisoned <laughs> gruel. Ladies and gentlemen, poisoned gruel. What has been the most surprising thing you have learned or encountered through hosting Tinder Live? Um, I'm going to say it, but I'm going to say it with an asterisk because I know how people are going to potentially hear it and I want to prevent you from hearing it this other way. Um, I firmly believe that a lot of men on dating apps are better than their profiles. Now, the asterisk is 
please do not assume someone is better than what they're showing you. We've all done it. I'm not going to encourage women, especially don't need any more encouragement to do, to do that than we already do it. Um, but I will say, um, very often on Tinder live, when we swipe on a guy's profile, that's like so ridiculous, you know, not really hold on. I have to get the door. I have to get the door. This is life. This podcast episode has so many extras. I really hope that that conversation was picked up by the microphone because it was a, so sweet. A little bit. Was there like a flirtation in that? No, it was just Calvin, my UPS guy, giving me neighborhood okay. advice. He was oh, like, okay, okay. You this knew bar that, around right. the corner has the heaviest pours in the city. Drinks are $6. Sold. <laughs> Sold, sir. Thank you. Okay. I knew there was like something happening, but you know him. That's why. Okay, cool. You're on your way to New Orleans soon, aren't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get down here, first of all, everyone's going to call you baby and it is never okay. done in a manner that you or I would take offense to. This is literally, I've lived here a month. Okay. This is literally the summer that everyone started calling me baby and it never occurred to me to mind. I am living <laughs> my dirty dancing summer and I'm very happy about it, but oh. they also want to give you so much helpful information. Everyone oh. is so generous with helpful information. It's been one of the coolest things about living here is just how generous people are with their experiences and insight having lived here. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) You'll love it, I think. Anyway, what were we talking about before my uh oh oh what have I what have I noticed on on Tinder Live um that I didn't expect? And I was talking about how um a lot of the time when uh you know we'll swipe we'll we'll find a really ridiculous, really fun looking profile to swipe on. Um and we'll talk to the guy and he's like actually like plays around and like seems awesome and like you know it's not all the time but it's enough that I wouldn't have guessed it um and so that led me to like I will uh men will hire me to like redo their dating app profiles and I have to tell you that a lot of the times when I um start working with them I've had I've had women do it as well and it's like a different situation because when are when women are doing it it's more just like oh let me look at this a little bit differently than like you're looking at it. And it's just, it's interesting because across the board, across all genders, sometimes it really does help to have a second pair of eyes be like, Hey, I don't think this is coming off the way you think it is. But with men, it's a whole other thing where you're just like, Oh, not only is this not coming off the way that you think it is, it's coming off hateful. It's coming off angry. It's coming off aggressive. And I'm talking to this man and I'm hearing him speak. And I'm like, you're not any of these things. So let's just like piece through this together. And like, I've tried, I've met some like wonderful men that like, if I had seen their profile before I redid it, I would have been like, this person seems awful. And then I got to know them and I was like, oh no, they just don't know how to present themselves in this way. Um, and that has been a, a thing that, that I would not have known. I would not have known without Tinder live because you kind of just assume like, oh, this profile is going to be ridiculous. But sometimes it's like, they're joking. They're joking back with us. And like, that happens a lot where it's like, and then what happens is, um, you know, I've had several instances where I'm talking to a guy in Tinder live and we swiped on him because his profile is ridiculous. He's joking back as much as I'm joking. Cause I kind of play a character on the show. Um, and people in the audience are like, can you actually set me up with that dude? He seems cool. And I have, and they've gone out. So like, even the guys who are coming up are still getting freaking laid because of my show. So I'm, I'm doing God's work on all levels. You really are. And that, I mean, we don't talk about that enough. Like we're taking something human, us, and t- trying to translate it into tech 
And it's hard. We don't go that way. We're not bots. I mean, half of the people on apps are, but I digress. Right. Like we're not bots. We are human beings. And there are an infinite number yeah. of ways for us to communicate. Thank goodness for it. But it's the, I worry about what gets lost in translation. I really do. It can. And even, even with me sometimes I'm like, oh, should I be more jokey, less jokey. Like I've tried like 19,000 approaches and I've just ultimately come to the conclusion that I would just rather meet someone in person. (laughs) Same, same, same. But you know, yeah, even, even that is not always perfect. So (laughs) I know I stopped needing a, I stopped needing a meet cute years and years and years ago. I was just like, you know, something just let it, let it ride. However it happens. That's the way that it was meant to happen. And I love that you love stories of how people met because I want this audience to hear that they can be loved. They can be more than just jealousy fodder. I think they're important to hear. I think they remind us of our humanity and remind us that it is an infinite, an infinite list of ways that people can meet. And also like, I mean, for someone like me, like who, who is like, objectively known for having more meat coots than the average bear. Like there have been so many times that I've like shared just ridiculous meat coots on Twitter and like they've, they've blown up because they're, they're so, but what's funny is what's funny is they have not worked out at all. So it's like, I, I am somebody who has so many beautiful meat coots. You're like, what? Like, but meat coots that have literally gone viral and have, and it, I, it still hasn't been the, the person, which I just, I say that because it's like, at first it could sound, if you didn't know me, it could sound like a brag or something. And it's like, no, no, no. For some reason I am really good, you know, have been really good at, at attracting these like beautiful, like what this happened and this happened. And then it's like, eh, no, it still wasn't anything. Or like there was a, a guy at the top of a, at the top of the pandemic who was giving away some plants and we like flirted and it was really cute. And I like asked Twitter, I was like, should I go back and like leave a note on his door? Like he seemed like cute and sweet. And like, I don't know. I feel like there was something there and he lived near my house and he had cute plants and everyone was like, do it. And I was like, okay. So I left a note on his door, like took a photo of the note and all these things. And I got a text later and he was like, I'm moving to Canada in like a week, but this was the sweetest thing anyone's ever done for me. And I was like, thank you. Also, come on. Like, of course you're moving to Canada in a couple of days. Like, of course you are. And you lived three minutes from me. Like, all right. <laughs> Do you ever think sometimes the universe is fucking with us because it knows we create content? Just like wants to give us fodder. But I am very anti that, like in terms of, I'm not somebody who ever does stuff for that reason. Like I genuinely want to find love. So I think that like, and I know there are people who do that and I don't judge them, but like, that's something for me, I want to be really clear about because like, that's never my baseline. Like I didn't go back and do that with him because I was like, oh, it'll be Twitter will like it. It was like, no, I, I want to meet someone great. And how cute would that have been? And if anything, it was a way to be like, honestly, I'm a very like shy, uh, overthinking person. And so I think for me, when I talk about stuff like this publicly, it's like more of a way to have somebody clarify, like, no, you should go back take a chance on that. And I'm like, Oh, I have like backup now that like, I think it takes the pressure off of it for me to be able to be like, you know what, if nothing else, this is like a really cute story that happened. I think that that's, that's how I engage with social media with that. But yeah, it's always like, I want it to be something real. Absolutely. 
I think I'm ready for the meat uglies. I want to know about the couple that met because they were both in the hospital with explosive diarrhea. I want the meat ugly stories because we need a spectrum and we deserve a spectrum of from cute to not so cute. How did everybody meet? And this audience knows they're welcome to tweet the best stories they've got at me because I would just like to repeat them. So people have options. I've had some that might fall into that, but again, who cares? Cause they're not my person. So <laughs> I'm not going to, I won't give them any more thinking, but like I have had some ones where it was like, I was bleeding and they gave me Starbucks napkins. I had that once. See, that yeah. Story. That is you know? story. Like it was, it was, a, it was a really cute little story. It was like a whole thing. And yeah, but it's I like so starving for these hundreds stories. of them. Hundreds. I love like, it. I love it. I love anything happening in real life. We're forgetting that yeah. they do happen in real life. I love it, but it's like, but I, but I'm, I'm frustrated only because media tells you, I guess maybe that's what it is. I go back and forth. There's a part of me that's just like, how, like how, there's a part of me that thinks like how frustrating that like media told me that like I would have a meet you and this would be my person and we'd get married and that would be that on my, on my, on like the flip side of that though, I'm able to say like, yeah, but like how lovely is it that like, you've been able to have so many like really beautiful romantic moments with a stranger. Like that's, that's special and rare. And like, yeah, you wish they would have all, you know, transformed into this, but like, there's something that's lovely in and of itself that, that I, I have so many of those. So I'm like, all right, I try to you know, we just want, we want the ending that we want. And, and it can seem like somebody is giving us a hundred dollars and taking it back. Oh yeah. You know, I know the feeling well, I know the <laughs> it's feeling. Hard. Really, yeah. it's, it's hard when it keeps happening year after year, after year, after year, that's fucked. It's really, there's just a level of unfairness in, in being a single woman that I, I couldn't sit with anymore. So I had to do something about it. And you're, you're on the podcast that is something about it. It's just, I really didn't like what was happening to us out there. And I wanted to create something positive about it. Um, yeah. And you have as well to that end. Yeah. What do you hope people coming to your shows take away from that experience? Um, I, I will go a step farther and say what, um, this is what I hope for. And, and I love that. I always, I, I hear it echoed back to me every, every show, which is amazing. Um, my hope for every show is that people laugh more than they've ever laughed in their entire life. People are able to like, just feel like safe and free because I know for me, when I'm on dating apps by myself, I feel anything but that I feel constricted. I'm nervous. I'm like take, you know, it just, it's, it's this, it's this very upsetting, heavy feeling. I think for so many of us, I know it is. Um, it's, it's like, it's, I'm so hesitant sometimes to talk about this because it feels like we're not allowed to, but we're all experiencing it. So anyway, um, so I, I want, you know, the audience to be able to just feel so like just that weight lifted of like, we're all in this together. There is this community of people. We're all swiping together. We're all, uh, you know, I always call it a choose your own adventure because it is like, I never know what's going to happen on that stage. I never know who's going to come up, who we're going to match with. Um, I just, and I, I want, I want, you know, women, especially single people, especially for it to make them feel seen and 
braver. I, I hear from a lot of women who are like, I see the way you interact with these guys on Tinder Live and like you just, you're fearless and you just like, you know, you're, you're as weird as you feel like being, you're as silly as you feel like being. And of course, you know, I'm doing it for a show, but I, I, I've watched so many women say that it made them feel braver and like, they'll go home and take that with them and be like, you know what, I'm going to start taking this a little bit less, like viewing this less seriously, less heavily, less like, oh gosh, what, what is the perfect thing to say? And, you know, just have some fun on it for me. And, and I think that that's so important because so many of us are not having fun in these situations. So, you know, to be able to, to transmute something that's so painful for so many people and so frustrating for so many people into something that is comedic and that is created a sense of community. Like there are people, I hear this all the time. I love hearing it from single women, especially who will come to Tinder live shows by themselves um, whether like a friend wasn't around or they didn't have a date or whatever. And they have like met a date or friends at Tinder live, like met other women who like, they've all become friends. Like I hear that happen all the time. And it makes sense to me because there is a real community element and it just lends itself to that where it's also because we're all watching something that only exists for us. Every show only exists that one night. It's not like when I do stand up and I'm pretty much doing the same set every time for a while. It is completely, we're the only ones who experience like, oh my God, do you remember when she talked to that guy with pizza hands? Like we're the only ones who are in the room for pizza hands. Um, you know, so it's just, yeah, that's what I want. And I love hearing people come up to me after the show. Oh, and also I hear from so many men who watch the show. Um, you know, uh, straight, straight cis men who are like, were like, I did not realize how rough these profiles are and how much you're seeing that, that is so insane. Um, I also hear from men a lot who are like, I did not realize that it comes off that way when I put that on my profile. And I'm like, it does. So it's like, again, across the board and like, even hearing from people who've been married for a long time. And they're just like, I had no idea what this was like, This was, but this was so funny. It's like, so it's either like giving people an entryway into this, helping people see what not to do or making people feel like, oh, this is, this is as nuts as it feels to me, which I just think it's just hitting it from all these different aspects, which is really cool. It's incredibly cool. Any, any community building that you can do in this space is incredibly, incredibly cool. And necessary and a gift. So thank you for that. Yeah. In your opinion, do dating apps work? Um, I, for some people, you know, like for some people they do. I mean, and that's, that's the thing you, you can't argue that they don't because, because for some people they do, but that's true of almost anything. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when someone's like, I lost weight eating a diet of only corn chips and beef jerky. Like that worked for them. I don't know, man. And, and that's, you know, whatever, that's not, that's not comparing it to that directly, but like, you know, anything is possible. There's people who've like had their lives saved by stray dogs. Like, I don't know. And anything is possible in this freaking world. So But I think, uh, I guess my answer to that would be more so it is okay if it doesn't work for you is what I would say. I think the same thing. I have friends, dear, dear friends who, uh, 
are married and they had their first child a month ago, they met on a dating app. Actually, Damn. I'm sorry. I have two sets of friends. I have who several friends. met on a dating app, got married and had a baby a month ago. And it makes me so happy and it brings me so much joy. I, however, used dating apps and dating websites for a decade and never even had one relationship result. It's a pretty broad range of That's outcomes. exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, I can't say that it's not true. I have so many friends who are so happy met their partners that way. Of course. So my thing is, it's like, I don't think you can, like, you can't say that either spectrum is the only answer. You can't say that like, everybody's going to have a great time or everybody's going to have a bad time. It's just like, but I think that that's one of the things that I do and, and you do as well, where it's like to explore that range because we can't just look at it as like, everyone's having a great time or like, it's only bad. Like the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And the truth is always uh, more custom to ourselves than we think. I, I think we do a lot of comparing in the singlehood space and the relationship space. And it's okay yeah. if your world, your singlehood world, your dating world is completely customized to you. That is allowed. That doesn't make you weird or a failure or bad. It means yeah. that you acknowledge that maybe you deserve something that is tailored to you. I think that's allowed. Yeah. Which is tough though, because we, we, we really all have been sold that like, we all need to have this and we need to have it by a certain time and it needs to look like this and it needs to be this and it needs to be this. And if not, you've done something horribly wrong. And it's interesting. She said sarcastically that we really only do that with women. Cute. Cute. <laughs> Isn't cute, it just cute, darling? Cute. cute. Yeah, so I, I find it a total coincidence. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I want to talk about attachment style a bit because, uh, quite frankly, my audience is dying for you to talk about attachment style a bit. Right. <laughs> if you're listening and the phrase attachment style is unfamiliar to you, I'm going to link to a book in the show notes called Attached that I think you might enjoy reading. Um, everyone that I know that has read it did enjoy reading it very much. My question for you is going to assume that people are aware of what attachment style is. If you're mm -hmm. not, press pause, read a book, press play. Does our attachment style basically mean we're fucked or are there ways to be in good relationships, strong relationships, no matter what your attachment style is? So I will say just like in addition, in addition to that, um, if you, uh, I had done a lot of research for, uh, for how to be alone about attachment style, um, and for me, a lot of those, like, I know people love attached and like, it's, it's, it is obviously a great book, but if you, I, this is what I will say. If you have ADHD <laughs> or have a very hard time reading something that is very clinical, I will tell you that I put a lot in there about what attachment style is in a very, um, in experiential language, um, and in through first person stories in my book, how to be alone. Um, and I say that only because for me, it's hard for me to read books like that, that are just so clinical. My brain is like, what, this is too much. I can't do it. So there's also a lot of that in, in how to be alone as well. Uh, if that stuff overwhelms you, it's like, it's so tough because I'm just like, yes, that book is, that book is great. But some people have a really hard time reading something that's that, 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 you know, that kind of clinical text. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say? Um, so, um, but, but it was interesting for me, the way that I, uh, learned about attachment theory, um, was through my own, was through my own experiences of it. Um, and then, you know, going to therapy, doing this and that, um, and then, you know, reading as much as, as my brain could process of a lot of the more clinical texts. 
Um, and then what I, what I have to do with like really clinical psychological texts is like take what I can absorb and then I have to like translate it into my own language of like how this makes sense to me. And so, um, which is also what I had done in like therapy and stuff, but anyway, but it was a lot of, once I realized my own, uh, attachment style and I really started putting it through that filter so much, um, Wait, what, what was the specific question you asked, like to talk about attachment styles or? In general, if we have one attachment style that is not secure, because there are other ones, um, yeah. if we have an attachment style other than secure, can we still be in great relationships? Mm, got it. Okay. Um, so one of the things that um, I got really excited doing um, when I was writing How to Be Alone is like, I, I go through kind of like what I was like as a child and, and what, you know, my, my circumstances were like there, um, kind of how the, how the attachment style developed. Um, I go into like my childhood friendships and like what it was like making friends and how that impacted my, uh, attachment style and then my adult relationships. And it was really interesting to look at. So I am somebody who has had every insecure attachment style you can possibly have. I have been avoidant. I have been anxious avoidant. I have been anxious. Um, now I am anxious secure, which is very exciting. It means that I'm secure at all, which is amazing. Um, (laughs) so, um, uh, I really, uh, I, I get asked a lot about it. I started, um, you know, first, first, first wrote the book and kind of exploring that, And then after writing the book, there were so many people who were like, I totally understand this. And I have an anxious attachment style, or I have this and that. So I started, um, just, I guess, doing more work on myself and talking to more and more people about attachment styles. Um, and the thing is you can, I guess, I guess it's a hard question for me to answer specifically. Like, can you have a a great relationship if you don't have secure attachment style? You can, but in my experience, if you have an insecure attachment style, you can only really be with somebody with a secure attachment style. It's just the way that it is. And, um, you know, and that's like so much of what I talk about in how to be alone is that like, I was either dating somebody with a secure attachment style and I did not understand that about them. And that was frustrating and confusing, or I wasn't ready for a secure attachment style, which many of us, you know, aren't. Um, or I was meeting people whose attachment style was just never, ever going to work with mine. And it took me years and years and years of my life, the time I would have saved if I had known so much of this. Um, the problem is, and, you know, without going too much of this, cause like I could probably talk about this for hours and hours. And I I do. Um, but, um, we tend to just subconsciously attract the worst attachment styles for us. Just, just totally incompatible attachment styles. We just do. And so, um, you know, again, it's like what we're talking about before, um, what I do to, to deal with that is like, I will make a bunch of TikToks and Instagram videos and all these things that are like comedic explorations of like, great. I'm an anxious person who attracted yet another avoidant person. Great. This is, this is what it feels like to be an anxious avoidant person. All of these things, because 
the cool thing that has happened with making videos like that is like, yes, I'm taking something that's like complicated and deeply painful for so many of us and turning it into comedy, but also as a result, the community that, that happens like in my Instagram comments. And and I say that because I hadn't even really used that word, but I'll see people use it all the time where they're like, thank you so much for creating this community here um, on like Instagram specifically. Cause I, I do more videos on Instagram than, you know, Twitter is more just like tweets, but um, where people will share and be so open and just be like, I feel that same way too. I feel like it's never going to get better. And honestly, before that, I don't know. It's just been this really cool thing between the book and now doing these videos. It's really opened up this really beautiful conversation um, for so many of us who feel like that. And, and, you know, to, to be totally transparent, even though um, I do so much of that work and I, and I, I put out so many videos like this and, and do so much education, edu- educating of myself and others. I still deal with, with pain from that shame from that. And so, you know, but, but that's, I think a big part of my work is, um, being very transparent about the fact that like, I'm not perfectly magically healed and, and really removing I'm very anti that narrative, um, especially for women, especially for single women, especially for trauma survivors, that there's like, once you get a boyfriend, you're fine. Once you get married, you're fine. Once you, you know, go to three therapy sessions, you're fine. Um, I find that narrative really boring and in- inaccurate. And um, so I really like being honest about the fact that like, I'm not fully, I'm, I'm still doing the work as well. I just want to help other people along the way while I do that. Oh, you are. I am absolutely in love with your TikTok. Thank you oh, very thanks. much for creating that space. <laughs> if you are not yet following Lane on TikTok, um, do so. If you don't have TikTok, get it for this. That would be my advice <laughs> to all of you. I repost a lot of them on Instagram too, if they're on Instagram reels. So, but yes, but please get TikTok for me anyway. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I downloaded it because what of the guests honor. that I interviewed once. Because his work yeah. was just also regarding singlehood. And I was like, you know something? Maybe there's something here. And yeah. I learn so much from TikTok. It's like a little bit embarrassing that I was such an ageist asshole. And I was like, no, that's just for the children. That's not for me. Um, no, yeah. it's, for me. it's for me. Yeah, it is. I have a question from a listener that I would sure. like to ask you. Uh-huh. Um, this listener would like to know, how do you deal with periods of doubt or sadness regarding your singleness? Or another way that they're saying this is the times you see another birthday or another Christmas go by and nothing has changed in your love life. These moments are hard because it's a review of that relationship timeline that's always in the back of the brain. I I understand this uh, person who wrote this question very well. Um, I, I totally I totally get it. Um, you know, here's the thing, man. Look, asterisk, whatever. I'm sure there's someone who's the exception to this. Hashtag not all men, whatever. Men are not thinking like that. Men are not <laughs> thinking like that. There's no man who's like, whoa, no, another year closer to 30 and no girlfriend, oh, no. Like, no man is thinking that. They're just not. So I try to remind myself 
it's misogyny, man. It's, it's so much misogyny. And, you know, I, I just, we're, we're, we are programmed in a, and, and I say program, not any, you know, from, from media, from cultural messages, we, we are, we are told to think a certain way for nefarious reasons. So I just remind myself, like, that's not, that's not, men aren't thinking this way. This is totally gendered, totally gendered. So, you know, and, and you start to see, you can kind of start to see like how ridiculous that is, you know, like, like, can you, can you imagine like, and I, I love, you know, playing around with examples like this, but like, can you imagine like meeting a 29 year old man and just being like, uh oh, you're getting up there. What are you doing wrong? What are you doing wrong, buddy? What are you doing? I don't know. Aren't you freaked out? Aren't you a little freaked out? Tick tock, tick tock. Like we don't do that. We don't do that. They're not. Oh, oh, oh! You're turning thirty. You're gonna get real depressed. And eat a lot of cake because you still haven't been chosen by a woman yet. Like we don't do that. So, I so rarely wish that this podcast was a video podcast because those <laughs> things are just weird to me. It's like listen or watch, pick one. But I really wish that I could show this audience your impression that you've just been doing for the last three minutes because it is gold. <laughs> gold i feel like i feel like i feel like that's gonna have to be a, a tiktok is like oh please i please, broke please. i broke in fronting another bro on his 30th birthday oh please please do so why are you why are you single Sir? i'm writing i'm writing why myself a note right single? now aren't you ben, having kids ben, WTF, ben. <laughs> are you gonna freeze your sperm Oh my God, man. It's wild. I don't know. You have to make some decisions. I'll tell you that right now. What about Sarah? She was pretty cool. Oh my God. I, I have to make this. Please do. Please do. Make this. Um, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Life always provides inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, the last question I will ask you is how do you feel about being on tour in 2021? Is there any particular city that you're looking forward to the most and why is it New Orleans? Honestly, I was thinking New Orleans. Um, <laughs> well, because it'll be my first time. It'll, like, it, I mean, I am excited about New Orleans because my first time in New Orleans and uh, playing in New Orleans, and I've only been to New Orleans once, and New Orleans was like really special and magical and cool. Um, but I mean, across the board, genuinely, like, you know, I wasn't like so many performers, I, I wasn't allowed to, to tour for, you know, almost two years. And I love. I love doing Tinder Live so much and I love bringing it to, you know, sometimes when I'm touring, people will, like I did a show in Baltimore a couple of weeks ago and someone was like, I used to come see Tinder Live every single month in Brooklyn and I'm so glad you came to Baltimore because now I live here. Like I get moments like that. I also love it because every tour city, you are touring, you're, um, you're swiping through that city. It's like a mini education in what that city is like, where you're just like, Oh, everyone in Seattle owns a vest and has a (laughs) a boat. And they like are, they basically live like a bear in the woods. I love this. Everyone in DC is like works in politics in some, in some fashion. Like, it's just so, it becomes this like interesting hometown pride thing where like, and I love moments where like, I'm able to ask the audience, like, what is this? And they'll be like, it's a mural. Everyone takes a photo in front of it. And I'm like, yes, you're so mad. I love this. Like just seeing all those individualized, like, oh yeah, of course he goes, to, of course he works there. Just like all those <laughs> things like that, that are just like, oh, he would work at that bar. And someone who wrote this profile would work at that bar. It's so, 
because you like, I get to see so many things. I get to see that like our experience on dating apps is, is so universal, but the little intricacies are so interesting to me. Uh, so I love that. And also like, I just love, I'm just so excited to like travel. Cause it's like, you get to see, I mean, ideally, you know, uh, who knows I'm in like a different city every night, but you get to see like, I just love going to like different health food stores being like, ah, this is, this is so good here. And this is like a local, you know, this is like a local cheese they make. And I just love every, every part of it. And also like to be able to, it's also so cool, especially like as somebody who, you know, has, has been interacting so much with people through the internet only during the pandemic to be able to like actually meet people and be like, you're that, that icon who comments on my Instagrams. And now you're like a person with arms. This is so cool. (laughs) They probably all have arms. I don't know. Does it ever happen where you're in a city and you're swiping through people and someone in the audience goes, I went out with him so often. Um, or people who are like, I know him. So I say that at the top of every Tinder live show where I'm like, if you know this person, you have to tell me and like, we'll have fun with it. And like, again, always keeping it like super kind, but there's just like fun that can be had there, especially if like, sometimes they're still friends or like one of the things I'll see happen is like, I'll match with like a really weird profile and I'll say something really ridiculous to him. Like I'll tell him I'm like, trapped in a can of beans or something. And some girl will be like, I matched with him too. And I also told him I was trapped in beans and she'll show me and she'll be like, so the guy's like, every woman's trapped in beans tonight. It's really interesting. <laughs> and I'm like, I love my weird baby show. It's so good. What a beautiful, beautiful nice. body of work you get to create. <laughs> that is fucking great. I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad that you're able to go back out on tour. That's yeah. so much fun. Obviously, I'm sharing all of your tour dates in the show notes. So everybody who's listening, um, if you happen to be in a city where Lane is going to bring Tinder live. I hope that you go. I will certainly go when she comes to New Orleans. Tell everybody how they can follow along with you, all the whatever links or social media, yeah. you know, you, you know, you've done this before. <laughs> Tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I am on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at hello lane more. Um, and I also have a website lanemore.org. Awesome. I will link to everything as well as your book in the show notes for everybody who would like to check that out. And thank you so much for taking the time mid tour to chat with me. I know that my audience and I appreciate it so much. Oh yeah. Yeah. And also, oh gosh, I didn't even th- think to talk to mention the book thing, but you'll link that. Um, I'm also gonna, a lot of the cities um, will have like books for sale at the show and I can sign them, which is very exciting. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining me.